Father in heaven, I am amazed at your provision for my need. And I am amazed at your commitment to receiving the sacrifice of Christ on my behalf. Thank you that my life has been cleansed and washed by the blood of Christ. And I am pure and spotless. I am eternally your son. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I indicated, we will get back to our exposition of James um, next Sunday. But I felt it was necessary just to take a few moments uh, this week and talk about some of the things that matter at uh, PFBC. And it has flown out of the reality, or it has, it has come out of the reality that as many of you are aware, each month we see people come um, to Parksville Fellowship Baptist Church. You look around you at any given Sunday and you might see people that you don't recognize. Uh, and uh, sometimes people come for a week or two, sometimes they come for a month, and sometimes they make this their church home. We have three services and in each of the services we seem to have uh, people that are looking for a church home. Some find this to be the place they want to land, others don't, and they find another local church where they can build into. People come from all manner of socioeconomic backgrounds. They arrive on the island for a variety of reasons. They represent a wide group of ages. They come from various theological persuasions. And they articulate varying degrees of genuine faith and an understanding of what it means to walk with Jesus. What I like to do, and I, I don't accomplish it with everybody, but over the course of any given month to try and get out with as many of these that are landing here that I can. And uh, just like to talk, find out what brought them to the island and um, maybe what brought them to this church and, uh, you know, how long they're staying and just ask a few questions. And uh, so it was after one of those uh, lunches that uh, we had about five minutes left and I wasn't really expecting this question, but the individual uh, said to me, so Paul, tell me, what's your vision for the church for the next five years? And uh, I must admit, I, I kind of stammered a little bit. It, it caught me off, ground, uh, off guard. Um, and uh, so after stumbling along for not much time, but then all of a sudden the wheels started turning and they started to make sense. And I said, this is my vision for the next five years. And so I thought, um, you know, I'd just take a few moments and share some of the things that I said to this individual. Because some of you are new here. Some of you have been here for a long time. I don't often do this. You, you might pick up pieces along the way. But there, there are things that I think are important, things that I value, things that the leadership of this church values. And, um, uh, and so I just want to articulate them for you. So if you're still deciding whether or not this is a place that you want to land, well, these are some of the big rocks of Parksville Fellowship Baptist Church. Um, start with the biggest rock, I think, or the newest rock to the, to the rock pile. Uh, all through the month of, or the year of 2019, and actually in 2018, the leadership of the church was wrestling with, uh, articulating a new way to define what we're about here. Could we rework our mission statement or our vision statement and what would that look like? What would we, how, how would we put that down? And after a long time of praying together, of talking together, of arguing together, of um, arguing in a good way, um, but of trying to work this, this out together, we 
finally landed on something that we thought that we could sink our teeth into. And it's not really a vision statement or a missions statement, it's a declaration. And we spent about five weeks talking about this earlier in the year, and you can find the tapes to these if you want to find them. But the declaration was simply this, God is real, and that changes everything. You see, we are convinced, and I am convinced, in the reality of God. The Bible begins with the very first book of the Bible and the very first phrase in the Bible, in the beginning, God. It's not really up for grabs. It's not something that, that we can wrestle with or argue. It's just a statement, and it's a declaration that we either have to accept or we have to reject. Now, it's a lifetime of working out the implications of that, but we and I absolutely affirm that and believe that. And in fact, you move a little bit later in the Bible, and it says that that's something that we have to accept by faith because God is invisible. But we see the visibility of God in so many different places. We see the visibility of God in the scriptures. We see the visibility of God in the nature and the world around us. We see the visibility of God in Christ, the incarnate God. But we don't see God the Father. And so the book of Hebrews tells us there, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And so we have chosen to stake our futures on and our lives on and the emphasis of this church on for the next little while uh, and, and taking scriptures and applying them through that grid, the fact that God is real. And when we come to that conclusion, there's not an area of our life that will remain untouched. Every corner of our lives, internally and externally, will be changed by that reality. And that's why then we can say that changes everything. You see, nothing else is more decisively consequential in life than understanding God rightly. And when you understand God rightly, the God revealed to us in scriptures primarily, then that does change everything. Think about that for a moment in your own life. If it is true, if the God that is described in the Bible, the God that reveals himself to us in the word, the God that reveals himself to us in the world around us, the God that reveals himself to us in Christ, if he is real, what in your life will be impacted by that reality? What in your life won't be impacted by that reality? Therefore, we want to declare and it is a declaration because one of the things we wrestled with is when you have a mission statement or a vision statement, part of the reality of that coming true rests on our shoulders. And if that's the case, then we can slip into legalism or moralism and we can pat ourselves on the back and see we accomplished this or we haven't accomplished this. And that's not a terribly wrong thing, but in spiritual realms, moralism and legalism is fatal. And so what we just wanted to say was this we declare. God is real, and that changes everything. So you're going to hear that a lot uh, over the next year, two years. Secondly, here are some things that are important. And I don't think, apart from the first one, they're, they're, they're not in necessar necessary order. But the first one is the priority. We are focused on remaining faithful to the word of God. That's not a given, you know, loved ones. It's not something that we can assume. There is evidence that Canada is becoming increasingly 
secular. There is a statement in uh, Amos by the prophet where we're recording the words of the Lord and he talks about a famine that's coming on the land and he says it's a famine not of bread nor a thirst for water but of hearing the words of the Lord. I believe we're in the midst of such a famine in Canada and probably North America. And one of the things that we want to do and we believe matters is that we want to continually present to you the word of life, the bread of life, the, the water of life. We want to continue to do whatever we can to combat that famine that's in our world. And we will do that by remaining faithful to the word of God. Paul writes to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, by his appearance and by his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Have you experienced that? We, 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 that's too harsh. That's too heavy. That's too deep. That's too complicated. That's too narrow. There is a time coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. I hope you pray for the leaders of this church, for those who teach your kids, for those who teach in the women's ministry and the men's ministry, that they will not give in to your passions. That they will not give in to your whims. But that they will be true and faithful to the counsel of God. Because... Paul writes in another place, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness that the man of God, the people of God may be what? Complete. Scripture is sufficient. It's all that we need for life and godliness. It's through the word that we are saved. It's through the word that we are sanctified. It's through the word of God that we know about God, that we know about life, that we know about the future. And so no matter what the pressures may be from outside or inside, it is our desire and our intention to remain faithful to the Word of God. We will accomplish that in a couple ways by, and I'll just give you the points on this rather than go, we will do that by expository preaching. That's our normal method of going through the Word of God. We've stepped out of that this week, but we will pick books of the Bible and we will work our way through them from beginning to the end, opening up Scripture and let Scripture speak for itself and trying to the best of our ability not to bring our pet peeves, not to bring our opinions, not to bring the things that we think matter and just use a text to, to strengthen that. Rather, we want the text of Scripture to shape us and shape you. And so we'll do it through expositional preaching. We will uh, do it through... Uh, through um, a specific way that Pastor Barry talked about, the New City Catechism. It's our hope that over this next year that that will fill us with doctrine and truth so that it will once again equip us to be men and women who are children of God. And so may God give us an infant-like hunger for his word, like newborn babes earnestly desire the pure milk of the word. May God give us an infant-like hunger and thirst his word. Secondly, we really believe in evangelism and missions. It might not always be stated as clearly as we would like it to, but we do believe in evangelism and in missions. And in missions in particular, we, we often you'll hear the phrase across the street and around the world. 
we, we don't believe that missions is just around the world, and we don't believe it's just across the street. And one of the amazing things about Parksville Fellowship Baptist Church is the involvement in missions across the street. We participate with Mana Ministries. We participate with Shoe Guy Ministries. We have families that are bringing uh, some Syrian families over to Canada, and they're going to land in Parksville for a period of time. There are others of you who are involved in things that I don't want to mention, but I know are involved in our community that are helping out in various pockets of our community. There's others of you doing stuff that I have no clue about, and that's okay. But we understand the importance of taking the gospel to a lost and dying world. But we also have a focus on world missions, and that's why we talked about Brent and Shelley Weeks. And we have an incredible missions committee here. You can talk to them. You can find out information about our missionaries, the ones that we particularly support here on the bulletin board at the back. And I encourage you to go to that bulletin board on a regular basis, at least monthly, and pick up the, the latest insert that's there that tells you about the missionary that we're supporting and pray for them. But we want to never, ever give up our eyes on missions. We have a lot of young people from our church, uh, individuals, uh, singles, and married couples that have gone from our church, and we are supporting them. We believe in the worldwide proclamation of the gospel. And one of the things that we are hoping to do, and we've been wrestling with this for a few years now, at least a number of months, as I started talking with our missions committee, how we would like to find some place that we can sink our teeth into as a church body for the next five to ten years. A place that is accessible to family, so you can take your family and your children there to serve. A place that is not just gospel-centered in the fact that you always have to preach and teach, but that we can build buildings. We can build homes or bathrooms or schools. A place that as a church we can gather around and say, this is a place we would like to focus on. And hopefully that place will actually be able to come here and influence us and help us. But pray with us that God will help us identify where that might be. So that we can use the gifts and abilities that God has given you as part of this congregation to spread the gospel in real practical ways around the world. And so we want to be missions focused as a church. We also believe that, that the, the pastors and staff aren't to do all of the work. It's not the way it should be. And the Bible is very clear that, that one of our roles is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. God has given you a great leadership team. They, they really are trustworthy and they are desirous to, to set the parameters for ministry in this church. They use your money wisely. They use it carefully. They make decisions that, that matter in this church. And they care about you as individuals. And we bear that responsibility for directing the church and setting the boundaries and the parameters for how to use our resources. But we are not meant to do all of the work. And it's not my gift or even my role to determine how you, each of you should serve. That's the Spirit's responsibility. To tap you on the shoulder, to nudge you and say, I've given you a gift. Here's a need. You need to serve. Or there's a need. Serve and I'll give you the gift. And we really do believe that the Holy Spirit gives to each and every one of those who make this their home a gift that they can use for the common good of the people of God here in this body. There's no such thing as saying, I don't need you or you don't need me. There's no such thing as saying, well, you just need to be serving me. The Bible calls us together, from young to old, to serve the people of God. I do believe very clearly that the Bible doesn't have any place for spectators. 
being part of a church is to participate in the body of Christ. It's to find a place where, or see a need and say, I can meet that. It doesn't have to be a visible thing. It doesn't have to be a, a front thing. But God has placed you here because we need you, and I need you, and you need me. And so whether you've just been here a week, or whether you've been here a year, or whether you've been 15 years, I hope that you are still determining, praying, looking for a place in which you can serve. Because each one has been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And we are part of a body that needs one another. My final comment along here, and this is sort of flowing out of my head, but I've never wanted to be a part of a program-driven church for a lot of reasons. And so we try to, to always pull back the programs. There are a few things that we do that are necessary and helpful, but I, I, I don't want us to be a program-driven church. I don't want us to be telling you all the time what you need to do or what area you need to serve in or what is best for us. That, we believe, is left up to you to determine what we think is necessary at our church. It might be a small thing, might be a big thing. But what I do say is that, that I, I think the primary place that we ought to be um, every week is here in the Lord's Day. And then I would say there's probably one other day or one other way that you need to serve. But if you're here five days a week, you're here too much. You are. If the church is your life, then you need to get a life. We have marriages. You have a husband. You have a wife. You have children. They need you. You have a community and neighbors. They need you. We are to be light and salt in the world in which we live. We, are, we need rest and refreshment. We don't need you to burn out and die out and angry out because you're always serving the people of God. So we want to try and avoid being a program-driven church and just encourage you to participate, but not forget your family or your neighbors or your own well-being. I'm not sure anywhere in the Bible where it encourages us to be a busy church. Fourthly, we're not done yet. What are, we, what are you talking about, Paul? We're not done yet. Well, this relates to the practical side of the building. We don't spend a lot of money on the building. You know, we've got a beautiful facility. Tammy Lynn does a great job of caring for it. You who clean it and decorate it and paint it, you do a great job at that. But we do want it to be a functional and useful building. As you know, we had a bit of trouble with our wall here, and so we needed to remediate the wall. And as part of that remediation, we thought, well, we need a couple other things. And so we built on there a, a prayer store or a storage room. And then on top, there's a beautiful meeting room that's available for the church to use. And we're just about to open a prayer room, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a couple moments. But as we were going through that, and by the way, that's all paid for. I'm so thankful for that. Through your generosity, it's amazing, the generosity of the people of God here. But we realize we're not done yet. So, for example, two things that we're thinking of. One is the area out in Bethlehem Walk where we've taken down everything that's just off the connections. And we want to make that a useful area. We want to put grass in there. We want to put tables in there. We want to make that a gathering point for families after church, before church, where we can have picnics, where it can be used during the week for people to go outside and be safe, not outside on the front there with cars and crazy drivers coming and going from our parking lot. And so we haven't got a precise plan yet. We're beginning to work on it. A lot of people are expressing, how can we use this? And so we want to develop that. And we want to do something in our foyer in particular to, to sort of warm it up, to, to 
maybe coffee it up, I don't know, but to make it a place where as people come in, it's inviting and it's warm and it's again an opportunity to connect people. So those are at least two of the things when I say we're not done yet, we're thinking about it. You can pray with us, think about it with us and talk to us about it. So we're not done yet. Finally, prayer. And this almost could jump to the top. Prayer is the operating system of life. It ought to be the operating system of our lives personally and of our lives as a corporate people of God. It's an area that I've been a Christian since 1979. I still feel like an infant in prayer. It frustrates me that, that, that I still don't have a handle on it like I should have a handle on it. And I'm thankful for prayer warriors in the church. My, my heart broke as I saw Dave Evans again. Oh, I miss that man. What a man of prayer David was. And I'm thankful that God is raising up men and women. Some of you, you know who you are, are praying and leading us in prayer. But I want us to be better at it. I want to be better at it myself. I want to learn how to communicate with my Heavenly Father more effectively, more meaningfully. I want us as a church to know what it means to gather together and call out to God for help in times of trouble. We need to learn, as Jesus taught the disciples, to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in, on earth as it is in heaven. To understand the pattern, the structure of prayer that Christ taught us to and incorporate that into our lives. To understand what the Apostle Paul says when he says to pray without ceasing, to be devoted to prayer, to be persistent in prayer. How I long for that for us as a congregation. I was particularly thinking about that in the context of leadership and even in my own life and making decisions and in my role as a pastor before you as a people of God. And I happened to be reading Samuel not long ago. And I was again struck by Samuel as he goes before the people and he says to them, As for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to prayer for you. I think I've sinned against this congregation sometimes by not praying enough one of my desires is to more effectively learn how to pray for you throughout the week and throughout the year. As a leadership, we need never to get arrogant and prideful in our ability to make decisions and see that we think we know a decision and rather than go before the Lord saying, yeah, we know what to do. You see how the people of Israel got in so much trouble as they were entering into the land of Canaan. They, they had just conquered uh, Jericho. They had just conquered Ai. And now they were getting ready to go into the rest of the land and this group of people came to them with worn out sandals and with crusty bread and with long beards and they said to them, we've come from a long way away and we've come here to seek your protection and we want to enter into a covenant with you. And the leaders of Israel kind of tapped the bread and smelt their feet and looked at their faces and said, yep, these guys are right. And they made a covenant with them. But they did not consult the Lord. And they messed up. I don't ever want us to be arrogant. To think that we know everything and we see everything. Because there's a world out there that is invisible. There, is a, there are forces out there that are powerful. And we need to trust God in prayer. I was thinking about this when a few weeks ago I was reading Isaiah again. Isaiah chapter 30, and it struck me uh, as I thought this through, and I know it has a particular application, but I 
broadened it to my own life and to the life of this church and again my own ability to make decisions very quickly without consulting the Lord and in Isaiah chapter 30 uh, Isaiah writes these things and he starts with a phrase that most of us wouldn't find terribly flattering he says ah stubborn children <laughs> you ever think of yourself as a stubborn child ah stubborn children declares the Lord and then this is what he said who carry out a plan but not mine who make an alliance, but not by my spirit. Who set out and go down to Egypt without asking for my direction. I want to increasingly be one who before my plans are even formed up, I say, God, is this the direction you want for me and for this church? Before we make any kind of alliance and commitment to anybody else or any other relation or any other thing, Father, is this what your spirit would have us do? Before we set out in any direction, to sit back and say, God, what do you think? What do you want? Is this where we should go? Because a little bit later in that same chapter, Isaiah would say, wait patiently. And you will hear this command before you, this is the way, walk in it. And so my prayer is, Father, show us the way. Show us the alliances. Show us the plans that are your plans for my life individually and for our life corporately. As I mentioned, the prayer room is just about ready. It's an amazing room. And uh, it's a unique room. But, you know, just having a prayer room is not going to make us a praying people. I hope you know that. And I, I think you do. And my hope is that that prayer room is full day in and day out. As full as people just need a place to come and talk to God and they slip in there and pray for a bit of time as groups of us say we need to get together and pray we go in there and we pray and that place will be sort of become known as the engine room of this church where it is filled with people calling out to God for help for wisdom for direction these are the broad big picture large stones of what I think makes myself and this leadership tick. And so if you're thinking of coming to the church, that's the sort of thing that you will hear again and again. And I hope that it is something that is pleasing to the Lord. Father, thank you for our time together as we have sung songs, as we have each one of us who know you preached a sermon about your saving work in our lives and the cleansing power of your blood to free us from our sins. As we have reflected on the pain of death, but the hope of life, and as we've just considered some of the big picture rocks that guide your church here in Parksville. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for your spirit. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.